0: Welcome. You're listening to Living Faith Podcast. I was in a a group of folks yesterday, and uh, someone was making conversation with a young girl. I think perhaps she's eight or nine years of age, I would guess. And she was asked, what's your favorite subject in school? And she quickly said, math. Now, I wasn't part of the conversation, but at that point, I launched into the conversation. And I said, awesome, math is great. She got a big old grin on her face. Other adults around me looked like, "Yeah, look at the weirdo. <laughs> Not everyone agrees or feels like I do about mathematics. But I have always, from as early as I can remember, I've enjoyed mathematics so much that originally I pursued an engineering career, and for a time I even ended up teaching high school mathematics. Uh, For any of those that uh, remember mathematics or are currently involved in mathematics, there comes a point when students see one phrase in a variety of settings. It labels uh, like sets of exercise problems or problems that were usually included for me in homework. And the phrase carries over. You see that phrase in quizzes and tests and exams. What phrase are you talking about, preacher? I'm talking about the phrase, complete the equation. Complete the equation. An equation has to have an equal sign to be labeled and known as an equation. There are components on the left that are to be equal to components on the right. These are equal to these. These inputs generate these outcomes, complete the equation. Maybe you're a a modern chef in your household And when you look around the cupboards and the refrigerator, you see, really, I've got two or three basic items for dinner tonight, and you wonder, what can I cook from these items? And so you turn to the internet, and you type into a search engine, chicken, black beans, and cauliflower, and just see what comes back that you might be able to make from that equation. What dinner output is going to follow the ingredient input. What will complete the equation? Don't we do some of this with Christianity as well? Sometimes even in in reverse. Rather than looking at our potential input and the potential outcome, we, we have an outcome already in mind. And we look to scripture to see from that output then what are the ingredients I need from God in order to get what I want. Have you ever mixed together perhaps in that desire some Christian ingredients as you understood them or as you were aware of them and, and in the end the output was not what you expected. It It didn't feel the same. It didn't result the same. It was different after baking. I mean, let's face it. Aren't there times when we find ourselves satisfied in the kingdom of God with the ingredients without fully considering the outcomes? In the kingdom of God, do some of us get so excited and filled up on the, the cookie dough of Christianity that we never get around to baking the cookies we enjoy so much the taste of the brownie batter that we've never put it in the oven and let it come to completion and fulfill the outcome as it was designed in Christianity there are so many good things about godly ingredients that we can become fascinated with the inputs and never fully enjoy God's design for the output. Today, I want to talk a little bit about both inputs and outputs in Christianity. I'll talk about a God equation, if you will. I'm going to talk specifically about completing the equation. Completing the equation. In your Bibles, if you read through the book of Acts, you find in those middle chapters of Acts, there are some interesting things that are happening in the early church. In chapter 7, under the eye of the high priest and in the ears of those who have accused him, Stephen preaches an eloquent message of the gospel of Jesus. He, He reflects on Old Testament practice and prophecy and he Connects these to Jesus' life, that he is the fulfilled Messiah. He concludes his discourse as all are fastening their eyes and ears upon him. He concludes his preaching by labeling his accusers as stiff necked and resistors of the Holy Spirit. Now, that's a sermon ending. They weren't pleased with that ending. And consequently, they stoned Stephen to death. As they did so, a guy by the name of Saul from the city of Tarsus was standing by, and he was in agreement with the execution. He thought what happened was just. In chapter 8 of the book of Acts, Saul begins his crusade against believers. It's recorded that he ravaged the church, going from house to house, dragging Jesus' followers off to prison. At the same time, though, the work of the Lord keeps going forward. A disciple by the name of Philip went to Samaria, and in Samaria he preaches the word of the Lord. And by the power of Christ, unclean spirits came out of those who were being tormented, and many who were lame and paralyzed were healed by the power of God. In the course of that happening, one onlooker, a man by the name of Simon, he was a sorcerer. The word says he believed the preaching. In fact, he was baptized at the inspiration of Philip's preaching. But he mistakenly thought when he saw people receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, he thought You know what, I can lay out a few dollars and you can teach me how to give that to people as well. It's also in chapter 8 that Philip encounters an Ethiopian court official who's got some questions about the writings of Isaiah. And Philip gives him a personal Bible study as they're riding along in a chariot. And the Bible study concludes with that court official being baptized according to to the word now acts chapter 9 there's a pivotal change this Saul of Tarsus the great persecutor is knocked to the ground by an amazing light from heaven and as he goes down it's the voice of Christ Jesus speaking to him from glory blinded by the experience he uh, Saul sat for 3 days in Damascus and while there he didn't eat and he didn't drink the lord jesus was interested still in saul and he sent ananias to him and ananias prayed for saul saul received his sight again and he received the holy spirit then he was baptized into the kingdom almost immediately i can't i don't know how i could imagine this i can't think of a parallel or maybe i haven't thought long enough about a parallel but Almost immediately, this man comes from his house. He's been blind for three days. Another preacher comes by, prays for him. He's healed of his sight. He's filled with the Holy Ghost. He's baptized. And almost immediately, he goes to the synagogue and begins preaching Jesus, the very one he was trying to trounce out. He begins preaching how Jesus is the Messiah. And he had been so bent on crusading against them. The Bible says he preached that Jesus is the Son of God, and he argued convincingly that Jesus was the Christ. Now, this made a mess of the society of that time. Damascus is in an uproar. Nobody's sure what to believe. The followers of Jesus think he's bluffing. Followers of Jesus think it's a ploy to bring them out from their places of hiding and places of protection. They think if they reveal themselves as followers to this one who had been a persecutor, it's surely a trap to bring them off to prison and judgment as well. On the other hand, those Jewish leaders who had empowered him and encouraged him to persecute Christians, they're standing around scratching their heads and not liking what he's saying, not liking what he's preaching, not liking what he's supporting. In fact, so much so, they made a scheme to kill him. But the Bible says in that chapter that associates, friends... People who believed in Saul snuck him out of the city at night, spared his life. A disciple by the name of Barnabas believed in him, took him to a city called Caesarea, and from Caesarea they sent Paul, Saul, Paul, on to Tarsus where he remained for a while. And then in Acts chapter 9 and verse 31, we read this. Luke's providing a summary of what's been happening. He says, the church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. And it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord. And with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. Another translation says the church multiplied. One man called this procession, an outward rest, inward progress and outward increase. Outward rest, inward progress and outward increase. An equation, if you will. After the highs and lows, the healings and the conversions, the persecutions and the imprisonments and the stoning, Saul gets converted. He continues to cause a stir, though for different reasons, and then he disappears. and it brings this window of solace. The turmoil for Christians is reduced. The, the uncertainty is removed somewhat. There's a, a breather for the church after Paul heads away. The church had peace throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria. And it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord. And with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. The church had peace, calm, quiet, a bit of rest. Saul's reign of terror came to an end. That societal turmoil had ceased. It's not a threat anymore. Likewise, if we study history, at this time, there was a change in government that really concerned the Jews. There was a new Roman emperor by the name of Caligula, and he felt there needed to be a statue of himself in the Jewish temple. And they decided they needed to be way more concerned with that than they were with a little preacher named Saul. So there was pause in the upheaval. There's a respite. The church... Enjoyed some peace. Outward rest. And then the Bible says the church became stronger. Strength came as believers lived in the fear of the Lord. Strength that was due to the believer's attitude, their demeanor toward the Lord. As I preached a few weeks back, the fear Of the Lord is regard it is honor it is respect it is placing him higher and placing ourselves lower it is recognizing we are but his creation and he is the creator of the universe and from this passage we see strength comes as we surrender to his power and his glory as I heard one preacher say not long ago Routine, without surrender, is just religion. Surrender is always the target in this journey. Great faith does not come from striving, it comes from surrender. We are stronger as we recognize more and more how great he is. We, we gain strength when we honor his strength. As we elevate him more in our own perspective in view, we gain strength. When we see him greater than the prevailing issues around us, we are stronger in that. When we see him greater than our circumstances and our surroundings, we are stronger for that. Strength remains as we study the attributes of God, as we review the pleasure and the purpose of God, as we consider the actions of God, as we wonder at Him, we are strengthened and disciples are strong as we live each day in humble admiration of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm uh, feeling a bit weak, preacher. I feel... Some spiritual strain. I feel a drain on my life. Surrender anew. Get a new vision, new picture of the power and glory and the wonder of God. The Bible says the church became stronger with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. The fear of the Lord is is self-directed. I bring that. I cause that. I... To derive that within myself but the encouragement of the Holy Spirit comes to us it's not of my own power it's not of my own determining yes you can encourage yourself in the Lord as David did but this is a different encouragement this is a divine encouragement and it only comes by the Holy Spirit we cultivate our attitude but The Holy Spirit brings that divine encouragement. The Word says the church in Acts, the early church, was encouraged by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit strengthened them after healings and conversions and persecutions and imprisonments after lows and highs. Here's what kept them going. The Holy Spirit rejuvenated them. The Holy Spirit inspired and motivated them. The Holy Spirit cheered them on and coached them forward. Inward progress in believers and disciples. It happens as we perfect our attitude of surrender and we receive the strength of the Spirit. Sincere fear of the Lord opens the door for the Holy Spirit's incomparable encouragement. Our right attitude plus His power Equals strength. All right. Our right attitude plus his power equals strength. That is the believer's daily equation. When we sit down to read the word of the Lord each day, we're adjusting our humanity. We're Working on our attitude. We're readying ourselves for His Spirit encouragement. When we talk to the Lord, when we share our thoughts, it alters our perspective. Prayer shapes our attitude. As we gather as we are today and and words like Drew shared to open the service, they've got purpose. What are they doing? They're readying uh, right attitudes in each of us as we come to this place. Songs that we sing are to elevate our regard and our honor for a holy God. Preaching should highlight and distinguish the glory of God's divinity and purity. And in these ways, we make ourselves available for the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. When I allow aspects of kingdom effort to impact my attitude so that I realize he is almighty and I am but a worm, when I allow that to happen, in my life. The Holy Spirit has a possibility to move in my life. When the Spirit moves, we are strengthened. The Spirit rejuvenates. The Spirit inspires and motivates. It cheers us on and coaches us forward. I wonder today if you've been inspired By the Holy Spirit, would you just clap your hands? If you've been inspired by the power of God, would you thank Him for that right now? Wave a hand or raise your voice and say, I thank you, Lord, for your rejuvenating power. I thank you, Lord, for cheering me on. I thank you, Lord, for inspiring me in your blessed kingdom. Hallelujah. So Luke offers, and he does this a few times in the book of Acts. I just chose this one. But he offers this little summary bullet point in Acts 9 and verse 31. And he recognizes that the early church had outward rest, inward growth, and outward increase. Scripture says the church grew in numbers. It multiplied. The growth was not just personal growth or individual strength. The church grew in numbers. More people found Jesus. More people believed in Christ. More people surrendered to him. More enjoyed his encouraging spirit. The church grew in numbers i i want us to understand and recognize today that peace is wonderful surrender is essential encouragement is divine But multiplication completes the equation. Uh, Can I declare to us today, the Lord's church is a growing church. The Lord's church is a growing church. His design is for greater than my inward growth. His design is greater than my personal development. His church is a growing church. Oh, briefly, let me help us to understand. The Acts Church didn't grow because the government was favorable. The Acts Church didn't grow because society was on its side. The Acts Church didn't grow because all the stars aligned and people turning to Christ was an easy choice. No, my friend, the church grows by the encouragement of the Holy Spirit working through disciples who fear the Lord. It's outward rest plus inward progress equals outward increase. That outward growth fulfills the plan. It validates the gospel, and the church grew in numbers. It doesn't take a preacher or a Bible student to recognize the parallels of the early church with the church today. Every now and again, the church gets a little peace around us. A small reprieve. A little bit of letdown in the turmoil around us. Most recently, after months of COVID challenge, There is now a measure of peace. Is it perfect? Oh, no. But enough for most folks to breathe a sigh of relief. And in that church's peace, in this church's peace, we... We revisit our attitude toward the Lord. We revisit our regard and our respect for His greatness. And we are strengthened by the Holy Spirit's encouragement. As we allow the Spirit, His inspiration is unparalleled to any other inspiration. I don't care how songs move you. I don't care how art displays move you. I don't care how you're thrilled and inspired by the views of nature and mountains and seas. It doesn't compare to the divine encouragement of the Holy Spirit. There is no inspiration like spirit inspiration. And now I speak to this congregation in this area. We expect the rest of the story today we are looking as a church for the balance of the equation in this moment we want the fulfillment of the lord's church what are you saying preacher i'm saying we got a little peace on the outside and we got some inward growth in surrender and inspiration of the Spirit, I want the equation to be completed. What do you mean? I want the church to grow in number. I want the church to multiply in Samaria, in Galilee, and in Jerusalem. Let the church be multiplied. Oh, Lord of glory. And it would be our prayer, Lord, you've graciously been working in us. And we welcome you to work Through us. Such that your church is multiplied. Complete the equation. Complete the equation. Complete the equation. I ask you to stand in this auditorium. Together, His power and our surrender equals the church multiplied. His power and our surrender equals the church growing in numbers. I'm inviting us to proclaim this promise as believers and disciples today. I'm inviting to accept this promise, to look for the promise and commit to walk in the promise. I'm inviting prayers that say, Lord, as you create opportunities, I'm following your spirit into those opportunities. Hear me today as I talked about those inward growth elements. If you need a refresher of surrender. If you need an element of your life, you've not been surrendering. You've been holding back. You've been protecting that. You've been telling yourself, I don't need to allow God to be king over that. Can I implore you today for the fullness of the kingdom Get the equation completed uh, and surrender anew and afresh, fresh and, and give him everything. Just hand it over. Just quit holding things back and allow him to have them. I preach today about the strength of the Holy Spirit. If in your heart and in your mind you're not feeling so strong, maybe you've never received the Holy Spirit with a biblical insight of speaking in a language you've not been trained to. You're taught. If you've never received the Holy Spirit, that's a great place to start by asking the Lord to fill you, to give you that free gift, to place it into your body and mind and you are willing to accept the promise of His Holy Spirit. And I, I, I help some others here today. If your inspiration's been dragging, if manners and situations at work or at home or in the bank. or You know what life brings to us. It's draining your kingdom inspiration. I remind you today, the Holy Spirit is an encourager. The Holy Spirit cheers us on. The Holy Spirit inspires us anew and a fresh. It's not just getting a pep rally from a bunch of human beings shaking through a bowl and shaking some pom-poms. No, a divine inspiration of a holy God moving us forward and seeing more. And the third prayer we're going to pray. You know what? If you're fully surrendered, you think you're good with that? You're fully strong and strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit, you're good with that? Here's where we need to pray. We need to pray, Lord, complete your equation for the church. Complete your equation in me. Now complete it for the church. Let the church be multiplied. Lord, I surrender to be with you. Work in me and through me for your cause and your kingdom. Those are the three things that I want us to pray today. And the musicians are coming. We're going to sing a little bit, but right where you are, right where you are, I want you right now to begin to pray one of those three areas. Would you begin to talk to the Lord right now? Do you need a little increased surrender in your life? Is there some area right now where that surrender needs to come out, where there needs to be a greater dimension of of placing it in His hands, of making Him high and mighty and the greatest one surrender to Him do you need the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? Do you need some, some strength there? Do you need some encouragement there? Come on, young and old. I, I see some folks reaching out right now, recognizing I've not been as strong as I'd like to be. I, I, I've not stood as tall as I'd like to stand and I need a refreshing and a renewing and an inspiring of the Holy Spirit. And now other saints of God, would you raise your hands with some authority and some direction and say, Lord, I call on your promise to finish the equation for your church. I call on you, Lord, to finish the equation for your church. Lord, bring this church, bring surrounding churches, bring this area and this region, Lord, the growth and the multiplication that you see and you desire. There's plenty of folks who don't know you. There's plenty of folks who don't follow you. There's plenty of folks who aren't surrendered to you. There's plenty of folks that haven't been empowered by your spirit. Lord, we call on you to complete the equation in us and through us oh lord let your church grow in numbers lord jesus allow your body oh god to be developed and inspired oh god move oh lord by your divine nature not by our power not by our might not by our human ingenuity but by your divine action oh god do things beyond our understanding and explanation. Me You've been listening to the Living Faith Everett podcast series. Tune in next week for the next part of the series or join us online at livingfaithministries.church. The